0: Your next game is going to be super brainy, and here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to how might a culture based on brains and tentacles work? And what isn't working about illithids, and what could be improved? And intellect devourers are just a weird premise. Like, what's happening there?
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother Jordan. So today we're talking about
0: mind flares. Yes, but first I want to talk about dogs. Okay. Dogs are... Dogs can be pretty awful, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're not known as man's worst enemy
0: for nothing. (laughs) Well, sure, they're man's best friend, but that's only because we train them extensively. You just let a wild dog into your home. What's going to happen? I love, like, that's how you make friends and influence people. Dogs suck,
1: huh? (laughs) No, they're universally loved, you fucking psycho. (laughs) But why why are they loved, is my question to you. Uh, Well, yeah, because we've had generations to train them to be better and happier and live with
0: us in harmony without trying to gnaw off our leg in the middle of the night. Yeah. And really, because dogs are useful for all kinds of stuff. I mean, now we just like to cuddle with dogs. But throughout history, dogs have been good for helping you hunt and getting stuff for you and and making sure there's no dangers about.
1: I mean, I will say that having a puppy right now, um, which is honestly, this is an episode about Mind flares. He's very appropriately named. His name is Squid. Yeah. But... He's a working dog and he is he is a borderline psycho like he he tries to eat me (laughs) pretty much on the daily. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's lots of working dogs out there. You've got huskies that are really
0: good sled dogs. Yeah. Like all of I don't know what most other dogs do. (laughs) So if you get together a lot of dogs and train them all, you are pretty powerful. Am I right? Well, yeah. I mean, if you watch the videos on YouTube
1: of that one lady who's able to train her Jack Russell to do everything for Mm. her, like fetch shoes and mail and all kinds of crazy stuff.
0: Yeah, it can get pretty weird. Well, this actually does have something to do with our topic of mind flayers. And I'm going to cross that bridge in a little bit. But the problem that we're
1: here to kind of deal with is that mind flayers are different than most monsters in the Monster Manual. Like, you can have a lich... But there's no guarantee that that lich was smart. Like the the
0: lich could have been a bit of a dumb shit. It was probably pretty smart in order to crack the secrets of immortality. Well, I mean, sure. But he also
1: could have just followed a recipe. Uh, My point being that Mind Flayers, I've always found a little bit more daunting. Because I have an intelligence of 10 on a good day. Yeah, eight if I've been drinking. Yeah, and maybe twelve or what
0: I perceive as a solid twelve if I've had like two cans of Red Bull. So whereas I am at a solid eighteen until we start recording this podcast, <laughs> and <laughs> Just then you so everyone knows, yeah, and then it's like a sharp <laughs> spike downward.
1: Yeah. So my point being is that mind flayers are a little bit daunting to
0: portray because they have. A resting intelligence of 17. And that's not to mention that their wisdom and charisma are both incredibly high as well. Yeah. And that's all layered on top of the creepiest monster. I mean, it's got tentacles and it sucks your brain out. So there you go.
1: This is the challenge that we're faced with. How to play a hyper charismatic, hyper intelligent, (laughs) hyper wise (laughs) monster. Yeah. Like I can play a snarling bugbear pretty easy yeah but playing an otherworldly alien with ideas and motivations of their own that are just beyond human comprehension i find That's
0: all realistically a little bit
1: more challenging yeah. like
0: come on because we want to give the players more than because we want to give the players more than what's that mind flare up to um otherworldly things things beyond <laughs> what you mere mortals can handle Can you give me some details? (laughs) None whatsoever. I've got them all written here in my campaign notes, but I can't tell you yet. Trust me, they're extensive.
1: Don't (laughs) look at the page. It's not panicked (laughs) scrawling. Anyways, let's try and figure out how we can fix this. Now, since I can't just raise my own intelligence very quickly, it really does come down to a little bit of planning, a little bit of forethought,
0: and some creative ideas. On how to do so. And we're definitely going to fix that in this episode. But just to be clear, we're going to talk more about Mind Flayer culture in this episode. So kind of how they interact with each other, their priorities, how they see the world. And then in our next episode, we're going to dive really deep on the horror side of things. So if you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, I'm not getting enough of that like brain-sucking tentacle monster stuff. Just go on this ride with us as we get into their culture and then we're going to use that to pay off some serious
1: horror. Yeah, noise. Well, cool, like you said, let's bounce into the Kinship Camp to talk about Mindflayer culture.
0: This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. So for those that might not be deeply familiar with Mind Flayers, we got to set a baseline as we usually do.
1: So we're going to do a little catch up on Mind Flayers. We're going to give you a quick rundown
0: of their history and what they're kind of all about. So let me first paint a picture of what they look like. Tall, gangly, purple, freaky looking. (laughs) Does that help? I don't think it really sells. (laughs) The true horror. That is a mind flare. Nasty pulsating head and squid tentacles coming down from its face. Yeah. So
1: they're elitist tentacle faced brain eating mind melters in a
0: nutshell. They got that hyper intelligent hive mind. Uh, they're a group of other planetary beings. They use psionics to levitate themselves and levitate other things and probe your deepest, darkest fears and desires. Yeah. They've ruled many planes of existence throughout their history. They're super powerful.
1: Well, they were once the most powerful race within D&D, I believe at, at some, some time before they were overthrown by the Githy Yankee, uh. who they had beaten into subservience and melted all of their minds. And then at some point, the Gith figured out how to thwart their mind powers and now hunt not only overthrew them and kicked the living shit out of all mind flayers, but sent them into hiding. And now the gith are on the offensive, hunting down any mind flayers wherever they can be found. Yikes. Big turn for the gith. Well done. They eat brains. They gain knowledge by doing so. They're really brain heavy thematically. Well, they eat a brain a month. And at some point they're kind of given the option, do I eat this brain? and gain its knowledge, or do I turn it into an intellect devourer, or one of my minions, or do I use this person without eating their brain to turn into another mind flayer, or
0: illithids, as they're called? Just to explain that a bit, their whole reproductive cycle is they start as tadpoles, they fight until only the best remain, and then they get added to a humanoid, so that they can grow into mind flayers. Through their eye,
1: or their mouth, or their ear or some orifice they get put inside a, a
0: humanoid orifice it's real bad and uh, but the point is it's really alien style so they don't reproduce on their own they need humanoids to continue
1: yeah and then of course uh, you know you got the hive mind you got the elder brain which is connecting and sharing all of the information basically they have the ability to communicate with one another through vast distances through the elder brain And so, yeah, they've got like a squid net. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all like communicating through their brain stuff. (laughs) This is why I don't have an intelligence of 17. (laughs) Sure, I'll agree. So let's talk about what you love about the Mind Flayers, the Illithids. And so what would you keep and what would you toss of
0: what the established lore about Mind Flayers really is? Well, some of the things that pop right out and that define them are their is the kind of Cthulhu-esque vibe they've got going. Yeah, I really dig that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that whole alien aspect as well. That makes them really interesting to me because you can just you can make them so strange and their mannerisms and the, the things that they do so foreign to any other humanoid in D&D just because they're they don't make sense. Yeah, they've got that otherworldly bent. Whereas
1: like dragons, you know, yeah, they're very different than humanoids. They've got different motivations. They're pretty intelligent. But ultimately, they're still grounded within this reality, within this plane of existence. And what I like about mind flayers is that they sit somewhere in the nth dimension where (laughs) like things just don't have to make sense, like you say.
0: Yeah, yeah. Their flexibility to do all the messing with your minds that they do really speaks to me as well from a narrative perspective and like a storyteller perspective there's enough
1: alienness that you have flexibility that's what grants you that flexibility
0: to do some weird shit because i think every time i've messed around with a mind flare. I let them do things that the book doesn't necessarily allow. Like mechanically, it's not in their stat block, but they're just so weird that I, I crawl into players' heads and I mess around with characters' uh, memories and make them go into weird mind palaces and all kinds of stuff. And players let you get away with it because they're so alien. Yeah. So what would you toss then? I might tone down some of the brain theme. They're pretty brain heavy. Yeah. They like they use it as currency. <laughs> pretty much. That'd be
1: like us needing money, but then also eating money and then turning money into our children. And then <laughs> having money as pets. Like it's just it's <laughs> really brain heavy.
0: Yeah, they're yeah. they're like deeply invested. <laughs> so keep the parts about brains that make sense, but maybe you know we can twist around some things like the fact that they're they're minion, the intellect devourer looks like a brain it's just a walking brain and that almost it takes me out of the fiction a little bit i i don't love the intellect
1: devourer because there is no i i can't get over the fact that this brain sprouted four legs and runs around like a little puppy (laughs) brains are very exposed very easy to kick yeah yeah one good dent and that thing is done yeah at least pop a skull on that bad boy i would probably ditch the only eating brains as well like mind flayers are supposedly they subsist themselves on one brain per month otherwise they might perish like they'll starve if they don't get enough brains yeah okay uh so that is 12 brains a year and then beyond that if they live in colonies then we're talking like hundreds of brains a year or thousands of brains a year um and then also we need enough to turn into our puppies and then also we need enough to turn into more mind flares yeah without your elder brain and yeah. like it just it keeps going on and on <laughs> and now if a mind flayer colony isn't under one of the largest cities in the world like if that's in a small town the small town is dried up <laughs> within, within a about year. a month yeah. or two <laughs> so it doesn't make a lot of sense that that's how they subsist themselves i would imagine you could give a mind flayer some bacon-wrapped scallops and it would just be like, oh, these are pretty damn good, but I do really still love my brains. Yeah.
0: Maybe seafood. I could see them getting into some seafood. (laughs)
1: Would they? Would you? Because
0: they've got 10, like, would they see a kinship there and be like, fuck, no, I'm not eating this. That looks like me. And as much as the colony thing is baked right into their lore, I like playing around with individual mind flayers. Because as soon as you kind of introduce the party to a colony of mind flayers, you've got what we were talking about earlier, like an intelligent creature, but to a degree that we can't even fathom. What does a a colony of hyper-intelligent mind flayers do? And how do they react to the threat of adventurers coming in? Well, they're just going to wipe them from the map. They're going to obliterate them in ways that are so intelligent that a DM can't, just can't yeah (laughs) like if the players get in then the threat of like if the party actually gets into that colony then the threat of their intelligence is just gone something went terribly wrong yeah so these mind flayers let their guard down let's just say that they they screwed up they kind (laughs) of deserve it oh there was a hole in their chain link fence yeah that sounds they let a bunch of these idiot monkeys just waltz into their their (laughs) colony no thank you
1: (laughs) But also, I like the idea that these Mind Flayers, you know, they're, they're trying to restore their former glory. They're trying to work back up to being the dominant force in the multiverse. Right now, they're kind of cowering in caves in the Underdark and they're building up strength. And sure, I get that part about living in a colony. But also, again, like you just kind of mentioned, if every adventure is just somehow leading towards a Mind Flayer colony, like your players are going to get mopped. So I like the idea of knowing that there is a bigger organization out there somewhere. There's the threat. There's the threat that anything that a mind sees or hears, it could be communicating to a wider network of mind flayers. But this one is working alone. This one has one particular job that it's doing to help further the needs of the entire colony. But that the
0: rest of the colony isn't just right around the corner ready to kick the ass
1: of every adventure.
0: Yeah, and I even like maybe putting the colony somewhere real far away. So not just the Underdark, but like another plane of existence. Make it clear that they've got a lot of irons in the fire across the multiverse. And this little city on this little plane of existence is like an outpost that they're not too concerned with. And that's why you can overcome the threat of a lone mind flyer. But mind flares in
1: your tiny little hamlet somewhere is still a massive threat. Yeah. Like, that is some scary shit. They can make thralls with enough time. They can make people that look like your friends and family, but oh shit, they've had their minds warped and now they work for the mind flayer. Like, that's threatening. Yeah. So, this like shadow network of mind flares, like, that to me is a lot more compelling than, hey, we found their hive. Let's go wipe them out. <laughs>
0: Let's go take our axes
1: and kill them all very easily. Let's unpack the dog analogy
0: that you seem to be hinting at. So we've discussed how they live, but how do they actually see and view all of the humanoids that they're trying to dominate? I see where you're going with this. Yeah. I mean, they see people of the material plane as dogs, and this makes perfect sense because Yes, dogs have the potential to hurt you and do damage, but we all know that we are dogs' intellectual superiors, it's not a question. Yeah, got it. Not only are we smarter than dogs, but our brains can literally do things that theirs can't. It's a very logical proposition, and that's exactly how Illithids feel about humans.
1: Well, even if we were on the same mental plane, we can still see color. So, I mean, there's we have a biological advantage over dogs. Exactly. They have some biological advantages over us. We don't really perceive that more often than not. Like when we let a dog serve on the UN, I think that maybe we will have reached a point where we see dogs as equals (laughs) to us. But until we let them serve on the UN and have a dog representing dog nation, I think we're always going to have this like perception of like, nah you're
0: not quite as highly evolved as we are. And I think it also works really well because mind flayers, you're always going to have to go to them in their lairs to get them because we don't think of dogs as a threat in our everyday lives. But if you plop us down in a forest in front of a wild dog, oh no, all of a sudden my intellectual advantages aren't for much right now. Nice. Yeah. So they're not coming out to fight you ever. They are hiding in their dens, just like we hide in our homes from wild dogs. Well, wild dogs do exist. They're out there and they want to eat us. Yeah, exactly.
1: We know that they are more complex. Like if you watch a video on dog behavior, they are communicating a lot to one another. But when we look at them, they go, oh, puppy's hungry or, oh, puppy's feisty (laughs) or... Whatever, like we we oversimplify their emotions and their needs and their goals. Yeah. Much the same way that I would imagine illithids would see all humanoid races as like, what, you're like hoarding money and you're trying to get power <laughs> over the other, yeah, so you want to be the alpha, that's it? That's that's the height of that's your needs. That's
0: the goal, okay.
1: They just look at all of us as either happy, sad, horny, or fighty, like they're just... <laughs>
0: Okay, you're pretty fucking simple, really. And I really like how that applies to their communication because mind flayers have this mental network. They're expressing their thoughts to each other as like concepts and they can just project so much to each other at once. And then this little party of adventurers comes stumbling in. And I imagine that if you do manage to have a conversation with a mind flayer, it's the equivalent of when we bend over and start doing baby talk to a dog yeah oh hey there little buddy it's like the most basic of
1: words you gotta use one word at a time (laughs) yeah and what i really like about this analogy is that we don't have any ill will towards dogs yeah we love dogs we love having them i would imagine that illithids don't hate humanoids they're not out there to murder them all, they're a part of their plans sometimes. Ilithids will use a humanoid to achieve its goal, and then, to further that analogy, a trained dog is just like a thralled humanoid, like, oh, I've settled all of the wild behavior and tendencies that comes with this animal, yeah. I figured out how to train it to do my bidding and to
0: sit and stay and lay down exactly when I want it to do that. And that gets us into some really fun concepts around, you know, a mind flare. If it collects a group of thralls that are all really good at their individual things, that's almost like a party of adventurers. And then they're probably going around to their mind flare buddies being like, check out this barbarian. It's the burliest humanoid I've ever seen. And it is a great humanoid isn't it? Well, imagine
1: putting together the best sled dog team. Yeah. That's what they're trying to do (laughs) with some great adventures. Like, damn, they came in with some serious skills. I'm going to harness those skills and I'm going to put them to work. I think another interesting idea here is that there could be potential for good illithids. There are people in the world who do see animals and they're generally considered to be good people who see animals as equals yeah you know hey we're all animals we're all a part of this whole you know cacophony of life that is happening here on earth and my life isn't any more important than say that tree that dog that elephant whatever it's that one extra step and it's like okay dude that's kind of (laughs) weird like good for you you have a bigger heart than the rest of us but that's kind of our food that you're like chumming around with. Those are chickens. They kind of have a purpose for us. You know, there's some different opinions, but the vast majority would see humanoids as like, no, no,
0: those belong to us. Yeah, those farm animals. (laughs) Yeah. And the last point I want to make about this is, even if your character has like psionic abilities and psychic powers, you might be thinking, okay, well, mind flayers would at least respect that, right? I still don't think so. Because if you could teach a dog the ability to bark something that sounds like the word high, it would be pretty impressive. But you wouldn't all of a sudden put that dog on the same level as you. Yeah. You'd just be like, oh, neat, neat trick. Squid can speak, but
1: I mean, it's the same word every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. So you know one psionic ability. <laughs> good for you bud yeah Uh, i've got a vocabulary i've got literally thousands of different ways that i use my psionic abilities you've got one maybe two you've got a couple of different pitches of bark that's really adorable here's a treat (laughs) good try buddy you get pets let's breeze into what we actually came here to do
0: which is to talk about illithic culture sure So when we're talking about culture, we always like to start with some core values that we can build everything from. So what do you got? Well, we've got a value of education. They are collectors
1: of thoughts, knowledge, and ideas. Then we've got excellence. So obviously they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder. They want to be the
0: dominant creature within the multiverse again. And I think this just fits because I can't really see Mind Flayer's as having like a lot of down or leisure time, it'd be just too weird to see them having fun. Yeah. (laughs) So they're focused on excellence. Well, and that brings me to the next value, which is focus. Like they are
1: laser focused on their entire culture's goal of regaining their place within the multiverse.
0: And I think you can focus that into anything that they're currently working on because they have so much control over their own minds. They can really focus in on a task. Totally. And then there's the left field one
1: here. Peace. Mind flares, value, as a culture, peace. Because what is a good thrall, but peaceful? (laughs) So peace in that evil kind of way. Well, yeah. I mean, they see themselves as the ultimate controllers. Why the hell wouldn't anyone submit to us? Yeah, we can bring peace to everything and everyone. No more fighting If everyone just is enthralled. Yeah. And then finally, security. So this is another big one because they've already been through this as a culture. They've been near wiped out and they are making a comeback slowly. And so security and ensuring that that never happens again is another one of the most paramount of their cultural values.
0: Yeah. They are never letting those wild dogs
1: in again. (laughs) Dog fences everywhere. (laughs) And then next stage on our culture creator. And again, if you want to do this for any, any creature within the monster manual, it's actually pretty easy to do. We have a whole system that's available on our website under the resources section. So hookandchance.com forward slash resources. But the next step on our culture creator is determining what some of their uh, ideals are. So here we've got our dream life. What would be the dream life
0: of a particular illithid? Well, this stays in line with what we've been talking about. Their individual dream life is having complete control of everything. I mean, many thralls. You've become an elder brain. You're the best and brightest among the mind flayers. Well, see that we
1: would have changed about the mind flayers because. Not any Mind flare can become an elder brain based on the canon that is their growth cycle. Just some Tadpoles happen to be Elderbrains. That's kind of weird. I don't really get that. And then some Tadpoles end up being super Illithids, and then some are just, like, different. I, I don't know. I, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me, whereas I prefer this idea that every Illithid As they continue to work out certain areas of their brain, certain areas of knowledge, that brain just keeps growing. Yeah. And then it gets big and lumpy, and it keeps growing. And so an illithid could,
0: in its lifespan, grow to become an elder brain. Yeah. I like that concept too. Kind of more like the dragons of D&D. Yeah. Like each more dangerous stat block is the next stage in that creature's growth not just a different
1: creature. And you could go one extra step with their canonical life cycle and just simply say that they continue to live on every time they consume another brain. And that's that's already kind of in there, is that a mind can consume another mind brain and gain all of its knowledge. And now it's like doubly powerful. And you're supposed to, when a mind flayer dies, the rest of the mind take it to the elder brain to consume all of that knowledge. Like, the elder brain acts as the library to all of the knowledge that all of the mind in the colony are gathering. But what if instead, that mind flayer that consumed that other mind just got a little bit more powerful and extended its lifespan? Yeah. Until that brain, until it can keep growing and keep getting bigger... And they can probably decide among themselves just who's going to be top dog. They'd be like, actually, you've been alive for a lot longer, so I will submit to you. You may have my brain.
0: Yeah, I really don't see them having the same kind of value of self-preservation or competition amongst them. Like they're all helping the colony. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then what's their major challenge? Well, I think it's just staying safe and hidden long enough to gather enough power to recapture their status that they had eons ago mm. prior to the dog apocalypse yeah
1: yeah <laughs> when all of
0: the humanoids took over those little Damn shits them.
1: i don't see them having a lot of other friendly
0: cultures no certainly not i mean they're too elitist for that yeah they don't respect any thing or anyone really but what i first thought of with this was perhaps beholders because they're you know super intelligent too but i think beholders contrast mind flayers in that whole community way too much Mm, so beholders are all about wanting to be the best and only beholder whereas mind flayers are all about working together so if you saw somebody doing that you'd probably just be like eh idiots
1: i could see a friendly culture in aboliths. they're both kind of squiddy and (laughs) aboliths have been around since the dawn of time so aboliths watched
0: illithids grow to power that's a dangerous team up all right well when we talk about their style, what comes to mind is just all the gruesomeness that they don't mind. Ugh. Yeah. Like they're they're examining brains and humanoids and tearing them apart. It's all very scientific but also very disturbing. I think when you and I were chatting about this, the concept of
1: taking all of the brain synapses and like every single pathway and like splaying it out. Yeah. Looks almost like a map on a wall until you realize that it's a brain. Well, what if they like wrap that around themselves and laid that into their actual clothing? Oh. And now it's like shiny, shimmery clothing, but it's really just brain synapses (laughs) still firing.
0: Yeah, that's... Oh, still firing. They're keeping it going. Yeah. Keeping it juiced. That's gross. That's interesting. And you made a really interesting point about their clothing being defensive too. Well... If you have psionic abilities and you can lift
1: things with your mind, much like Yoda was teaching Luke that, hey, a rock is no different than lifting an X-Wing. Yeah. You've got mind flayers that, I don't know, they're always portrayed in these like long flowy kind of crazy robes. Yeah. But they're not particularly strong creatures. Like they can't take a whole lot of hits. So why wouldn't you... Protect yourself, especially since weight doesn't matter when you're lifting yourself with telekinesis. Yeah. So I could see mind flares using a lot more metal. You still got to have that like Elton John flare <laughs> to your wardrobe. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, throw some metal in there, throw some protective pieces. Yeah. And like get fucking crazy with your style if you're an Illithid and you should own the
0: universe. Yeah that makes sense illithid armor why not and just throwing this in the ring but if i could make myself float all the time and i didn't like my weak body because i was all about my mind i would probably design my clothes my metal clothes in a way that like if i drop down to the ground then it would kind of expand and turn into a seat like if i'm a genius i can make something mechanical that does that right okay (laughs) interesting This
1: is like the character from Silicon Valley who was always just like waiting for things to get done. And he had like the the little flip out legs in his seat. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like a little more thrown
0: thrown like (laughs) than (laughs) that. Like it's imposing still. Okay, I see. But yes, the same general concept. No, I dig that. Like, yeah, just as soon as you sit down, it unfurls like a fan almost. Yeah. Or maybe even into like their sleeping pod. That's the only time they stop levitating because their minds are infinitely powerful. Why would they ever stop levitating? I guess. Yeah, I can't think of a reason. (laughs) And here's an idea for you. I started thinking of this as like a game that they would play, but it quickly became not a game because mind players don't mess around and have fun. So here's an activity that I think would be kind of interesting to stumble into as an adventuring party. Go on. I think mind flayers have a unique perspective on the two minds are better than one concept. Because like you were alluding to, when there's two mind flayers, one might as well consume the other's brain so that they have all of that knowledge in one place and they got one less mouth to feed. Cool. So here's what I'm thinking. They gather all of their thralls together and place them in a circle around the two mind flayers. They face off against one another. And then they sit there having a mental battle of wits with the goal to gain control of all the thralls. So each one is trying to get all the thralls under their control. And they're just sitting there staring each other down. Nobody realizes the battle that's happening completely silently. Their heads are just kind of doing that like pulsation thing. (laughs) Throbbing, that vein is twitching. Yeah, and it's getting real intense. And then as soon as one of them does that, the thralls all move together to tear apart the losing mind flare. (laughs) Pull its brain out. No, give it to the other one. Good Lord, that's gross. (laughs) Can you imagine watching that as an adventurer? Just like, what just
1: happened? Yeah, like when the party gets close to the Mind Flayer hive. That's the thing that I really like about these kind of ideas is that you kind of go like, oh, where would I actually use that potentially? But here's the thing is that whenever the party enters the lair of the thing, unless you have some of these ideas kind of percolating, you don't want it to come across like buggy cyberpunk where like you enter an area and every character in that area is just in a T pose until the game like loads up and boots up. Like it was just sitting there waiting for the adventurers to show up. Yeah, You want to be able to pepper in something that's happening within their lives in this moment Yeah, that will convey what that thing is capable of and stuff like that is so visceral and so gross that
0: that's what they're doing when the adventurers approach and it helps give that sense of, of they're doing stuff that doesn't make a lot of sense <laughs> they're doing stuff that's beyond me to understand oh totally and usually we talk a little bit about a culture's gestures but with mind flares, again they're not going to be gesturing to each other they're not going to be saying hey how's it going bud no, because they're having like five conversations at once
1: in their brains. Yeah. So that's all out the window. When it comes to portraying mind flares, like I like this otherworldliness. I'm wondering when the adventurers do get in there and they end up talking to a mind flare.
0: How do we role play one? Well, in my mind, since mind flares are so in control of their own minds, I think that they are going to be really unemotional. Like those villains that just, they don't crack. They never show their true feelings. Yeah. They don't let you get to them. That's for sure. I mean, mind players can cut off their emotions, probably literally. They can stop the chemicals that are flowing through their own brains and make their brains do exactly what they want. Well, if that's true, then they would be able to even stop feeling pain. Totally. So if you stab a mind flare through the gut, they're just going to stare at you and they're going to take their turn normally. Like they're oh, not. That's creepy. Yeah, they don't care. They would still want to feel
1: pleasure. Like I'm sure they can feel things. Yeah. But if you had the ability to just stop certain chemicals from flowing in your brain, why wouldn't you? They would have no sense of jealousy, no competitiveness among their own kind. And when it really kind of came down to it, I wonder if they would even lie. Like, why lie? Usually, you're trying to deceive somebody, but unless you have some ulterior motive, like, it doesn't make a ton of sense. So even when the players, let's say, are making a deal with an illithid, let's say they didn't get into a fight with him right away, and somehow, they're having peace talks with an illithid. Sure, it would still have no reason to sugarcoat anything. It'd be like, yes, once we conclude our business, I plan on making you a roll. And you, you have a particularly tasty brain. I can smell it from here and I plan on eating it. Yeah. And would be like, uh, fuck. I guess we're going to work with Azilothid, but let's watch out
0: for that final step in his plan. Yeah, he's not beating around the bush, is he? No. And I think that comes from their whole hive mind thing too, because if you and all of your pals can read every thought of each other automatically and communicate without trying, then nobody's lying. Nobody even why thinks why to lie. Yeah. yeah, that makes no sense. Yep, mind flayers are fucking weird. Yeah, I think we've covered that ground very well. Hopefully you got some ideas.
1: And I hope you share those ideas when you do run a mind flare for your party. Yeah, We, of course, want to hear all of the juicy details of your evil, grotesque, hopefully more in-depth Mind flare that you can role play some of their attitudes and some of their ideas towards that
0: adventuring party. And now in the second segment, we want to get into the Mind Flayer's dogs, those nasty little intellect devourers, and see how we can spice them up. So stay put right there. This is Lamashtu's breeding pit where the most vile and deadly of creatures are birthed and unleashed upon doomed adventurers. Alright, so let's get into the Intellect Devourer. A quick recap on these little buddies. They are full-on brains with little animal legs that go out on the Mind Flayer's behalf, jump in someone's skull and either use them as spies or bring them back to the Mind flare. There's some bits there that I do like. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but as we've already alluded to in this episode, there is
1: some bits that I just don't get. <laughs> I want to talk about why I don't understand, and maybe, just maybe, you have some experience with this. You can hop on our Discord or hop on you know, the YouTube comments and explain it to me. Because odds are we're just dead wrong on this. We might be. <laughs> But here's what I don't get. So mind flayers, they want to study brains. They also want to eat the brains. They are brains. The intellect devourers are brains and they have weird legs. And so the whole idea of like, I'm going to take my food and I'm going to make it grow legs and then I'm going to have it go out and hop into another person's brain that I could have thralled, but I'm not going to thrall, but... Like it just there there's some part of this like life cycle and ecosystem that just
0: breaks my noggin. Yeah, because to me, it breaks down like this. Like you were saying, Mind Flare, I've got a brain right in front of me. Let's have it go eat a brain and bring back the body that it was in, even though what I want the most is a brain and I could use the body, but I could use the brain a lot more. Yeah. Like you said, just breaks down for us. Yeah. We'll stop going around in circles on this weird
1: damn it and also i just i there's something i know it's like a classic monster i just don't like these little baby legs that it grows <laughs> it creeps me out
0: and maybe that's what it's supposed to do but like yeah, yeah. i don't know uh, i just why why that just in a different kind of way than we usually like
1: why not tentacles
0: yeah why does You're it so not close. grow yeah. tentacles <laughs> exactly if you just change that i would like it more i think but it just
1: grows these little baby legs with tiny knees
0: (laughs) and they're like they look kind of like animal legs but it's like mind flayers have nothing to do with animals (laughs) (laughs) anyways so let's start by reskinning them
1: now since the mind flayer is so close to kind of that colony idea that is so prevalent within the Alien franchise. Like, I would reskin them as kind of like a facehugger.
0: Yeah, because facehuggers are creepy. They've kind of got some some spider elements to them, which just give all human beings the willies, something that, like, skitters along the ground. Well, and they fit within that alien life cycle. Like, they look like they belong. Yeah, and that's all we really have to do to their look to make them work for me. But then I want to reimagine what they can do. So I'd say that Mind Flayers would have different intellect devourers for different purposes. Ooh, they're like a
1: utility knife.
0: Yeah. I mean, why, why limit Mind Flayers? Like we said, they can do all this weird stuff with their minds. So let's explore it. Devourer 1 has the same purpose as the Devourer in the book. It goes out and it brings people back for the Mind Flayer. Cool. What I would add to that is that it would have the ability to project into everyone's minds that it's not even there. I think that gives it a real cool, creepy vibe too. Well, you edit somebody's
1: thoughts. Could you edit their perceptions? If you had unfettered access to somebody's brain, could you just say like, you don't hear me? You don't see me? Weird, I'm experiencing the world and everything in it, but for some reason, I just can't perceive this one thing. I'm just going to cut that yeah. from the feed that's going into this person's brain. So now you have this thing that works like uh, shit. The Shadow, 1993, the movie with Alec Baldwin in it. (laughs) I don't know if you recall all of the plot points to that movie, because that
0: was a long ass time ago. And it wasn't a blockbuster movie. (laughs) No, it was not. It was (laughs) not a popular movie. It was a deep cut, but go on. So in the
1: movie, he can basically like mesmerize or hypnotize a person from being able to perceive him so he like boogies around and like the culmination of that movie was just that like his enemy had been able to make an entire building disappear from all of new york's perception like it was just an empty lot but as soon as he kind of hacked his way through that mental block he's like oh shit there's, there's a building there <laughs> so yeah. what you're saying is that now you've got a face hugger that's able to edit your
0: perception of it yes and what i love about it is that you could give players the ability to make a a saving throw to see it and if they do all of a sudden they're the only one that's like get that thing see that thing and everyone else is like what there's nothing there yeah talking about one person makes the save and now they look like the nut job yeah so the way this thing works i think is it goes into communities looking for promising specimens and that could be like a a pretty drawn-out thing like it's going around and and hanging out with people because it can remain invisible. Oh no. It's just very very bad. It's almost like it's a
1: an urban legend of the intellect devourer, the creepy little spider thing that runs around cities. Like people have seen it because the intellect devourer fucked up and didn't like didn't yeah. target that person to remove it. So
0: some people are seeing it, some people are not. And then you can even, you know, get deeper into that urban legend part of it you know do you ever feel like you're being watched do you ever feel something brush up against your back Ooh, i like <laughs> that that's disgusting yeah. i hate it <laughs> so then once it finds a promising specimen it crawls up their back hooks into their nervous system oh no no through their neck nah. turns their bodies into puppets and just pilots them yeah so they're not hijacking their mind they're hijacking their body oh That's even worse. The captive is aware that they're marching to the Underdark to go and meet some Mind Flayers. And if they just leave the room and everyone's like, hey, where are you going? Then the Intellect Devourer can puppet your mouth and just say like, hey, see you later. Everything's fine. Oh, no. (laughs) Going to get some wood. No, no, thank you. Yep, I like it. And of course, they take them back to the Mind Flayer so the Mind Flayer can study them and decide what they want to do with the delicious brain that's still totally fine i like it and the second devourer that i put forward you were mentioning travis that mind flayer lore says that when mind consume minds they absorb all the knowledge within it and that when one dies another mind is going to come bring it back and feed it to the elder Brains so they don't lose that knowledge sure but They've got to have some emergency exit for their brains when things go wrong, because things will go wrong. Oh, sure. Like,
1: if you're too far away from the colony yeah, and you bite it, yeah, you've got, like, how long until a brain dies? Yeah. Probably not very long. I think in the book it actually says, like, it's four or five days. Mind flare brains have a little extra juice to them. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, basically they get taken back to the colony, fed to the elder brain, so it's locked in forever, whatever that Mind Flayer knew.
0: Right. So that's an important resource. So I'm thinking this Devourer will attach to the back of a Mind Flayer's neck, kind of like we just described with the puppet, and just exist there. It hangs out in case of emergency.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> I This was worse than the first one. <laughs> so let me see if I know where you're going here. Mind Flayer. Gets stabbed, run through by the party barbarian. Yeah. And the Mind Flayer is sitting there. Stuff is just pouring out of it, and it goes, uh-oh. And the intellect devourer that's just hanging out on the back of the neck knows, okay, it's time to peace out. Yeah. And now it cuts off the Mind Flayer's head. <laughs> yeah. And scurries away with it. Yeah, let's get this brain back. So now you've got a a dead like lifeless eyed mind flayer head with the little tentacles on its face limply (laughs) dragging behind a
0: tiny spider creature's legs that are just boogieing through the underdark. Now, here's the thing. Yes, you could do a loose head, but what if the intellect devourer could still hijack the motor functions? Mm -mm. And now the basically what you're seeing is the party is the head scurrying away on the tentacles that are part of the face. It's using the face tentacles as legs now. Oh, (laughs) no. It's like, wait, no.
1: God, how did it get worse? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not here for this. We're ending this podcast. (laughs) We're done. It's good. That's what Mind Flames are all about. You got to give people the yucks. Well, thank you for the yucks. Thank you for the ideas. Uh, Thanks to our patrons who, God, for one reason or another, continue <laughs> to assist and help us make this podcast possible. Again, it's all on you that this we've gotten here, uh, for better or for worse, for disgusting or not. <laughs> You're here with us, and we appreciate it. Thank you very much, especially to our newest patron, Felix R. But
0: also equally to every other patron, like Chris F., I see spiders where there are none, the Senate, Lucas D., Lila G., the GM Tim, Nevermore, Thomas W. Tyler G.
1: Ty N. Heavy Arms. Eric R. Aldrost. Leprechaun.
0: And Will HP. Thank you all so, so much. We appreciate you. Mm -hmm. We also appreciate Tabletop Audio for the sound effects that you hear in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. You can join the excellent community of players and DMs on our Discord if you want to give your ideas, get some ideas where we do bi-weekly hangouts we're gonna hop
1: into how to structure a story i think in our next one yeah using some really cool story structure stuff so i'm hoping to to get folks to join us for that thanks Thanks for for listening listening and and eat great great (laughs) brains i had a pinch of hope that you were actually gonna do the line
0: nope eat great brains